confidence, uh, discipled and, and growing together. And, uh, you know, six months later, COVID happened, which made it weird to lead anything. And, and as he has embarked on normalcy over the last couple of years, it's been a joy to see his investment, to see his gifts surface, to see how he's been a gift to me, has, he's been a gift to my family, uh, been a gift to our community been a gift to our students, and so uh, really just want to say that we are very thankful for him. He's grown in so many ways, he's shown so many gifts that he has, he's got a deep care for scripture and, and teaching this generation about Jesus. I'm really proud of him and who he's becoming and what God's leading him into in this next chapter, and uh, though he's not here, I wanted to just take a minute and pray for them. They're moving the latter part of this week uh, into a, a new chapter. And I would love to be able to pray for him and his family. Would you guys do that with me? Cool. So, Father, we do uh, give you thanks for Drew. We thank you for his life here. Um, Thank you for him and Kelly and his boys. And uh, as they sit at home, I know this feels weird to um, have your last Sunday be not there. And I just want him to know that he's loved and that we're thankful for him. And I pray that you would fill his cup as he transitions into Tennessee. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd guide him and go before him and give him favor as he begins to build relationships with the community of the church there. And uh, just give you thanks for Drew Abercrombie. I pray, pray that you bless him and his family in this transition. And we give you thanks for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Uh, you, you might ask, what's next for us? And I'll just say this, that we're active in an in interview and in the interview process. And uh, I would just ask you to continue to be praying for us as we hopefully land that plane uh, in the near future. And so just be praying for us. That's something that we value, that's critically important for us as we move forward. This is not something we would want to take a step back on, but we'd want to even take a step forward. And as we see our students continue to grow, more of our kids move into student ministry. And so that's super important for us. And so just be praying for us as we, as we navigate through this, hopefully this last leg. Um, cool. So we are going to be in Psalm 145, and I wanted to get my buddy, uh, Luke Harmon, to come up. He's going to read it to us this morning. Y'all give it up for Luke. Luke. We're going to be reading from Psalm. You can put it here if it's easier for you. Um, how you doing, Bob? I'm good. Good. You recovered from camp? Yeah, I did. Good. Good. Tired. Pretty tired. We're going to be reading from Psalm 145, uh, 1 through 9. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. It's good. Um, this morning, I want to talk about this vision of commending this next generation. What it looks like to commend the works of God to this next generation. Um, we as a community want to continue to lean into investing into this next generation. And, uh, you know, you can't predict growth, but our board chair, Brian, him and I were talking. He said, you can't predict uh, 
growth of what that looks like, but you can predict demographic growth. And we know that over the next couple of years, our student ministry is going to double just because of kids that are in third grade or moving to fourth and then move to fifth and sixth. And we know what's happening there. and We want to continue to invest towards that end. And so I'll begin just thinking about this. There's, a, there's an organization, a reputable research organization called Barna. Some of you guys are familiar with Barna. And they do extensive research about all kinds of things. If you guys are just want to nerd out on something and you're kind of tired of TikTok and it's like really not providing anything for you, then go to Barna and just do some, do some study on some of their studies. It's very interesting to get some of the data that they're gathering. And, and they've done some extensive research on Gen Z. Uh, and this is a little bit of a recap of that I want to provide for you and then, and then um, and some more data related to it. And so some extensive research that's come out about Gen Z, there's a handful of things that we see uh, about Gen Z. And, and let's be honest, when you're an older generation, you get a little, you get a little I don't know, um, annoyed with life and you become older and more frustrated about everything. Sometimes you can look at a younger generation, you can see just the flaws. But I'll tell you this, the Gen Z has some beautiful things that we want to fan into flame that God has given to this generation that we want to see take place. And here's some of those pros and cons and things that are happening. One is that they're connected but alone. We all feel this, but many of them have been born since uh, the iPhone came. And all they've known is that reality, and so they've known this reality of being connected yet feeling alone. We know that. I mean, there's a loneliness pandemic happening within our own country. The uh, general surgeon has recently communicated, and so connected but alone. Second, there's a a, a vibrant, the Barnett came up with it, that there's a vibrant spiritual openness within Gen Z. This generation is curious about spiritual realities. They're hungry for transcendence in a world where transcendence has been pushed out. There's a yearning for something bigger than themselves. Some have left the church because of hurt or anger, but there is this vibrant desire to be a part of something transcendent. Um, In this generation, there is uh, just a reality of worry. They're racked with anxiety. It's an anxious age. What COVID did to adults, and it did some stuff to adults. Uh, What about uh, for those who a chunk of their life was jacked up for potentially multiple years? And that's affected this generation. Lastly, there's a, within this generation, a longing to make a difference. And man, if we could see and believe and pray that God would get a hold of that, and turn that towards kingdom things. That's beautiful. It's part of what I want to talk about this morning. There's, there's also some painful data that within the last 15 years, close to a million um, of, of these church kids have walked away from church. Maybe grew up in church, going to things like VBS, and somewhere between 18 and 30 said, forget it, and bailed. And there's four groups that came from this data. I actually meant to get the book. Dang it. Um, there's a book in my office. That's my office, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that. That's everything on Sunday morning. That's my little baby office during the week. But in there, there's some books. And in that library is this book that I meant to show you guys. But um, too late. I'm just getting back to reality. So I'm not as sharp as I might be in a couple of weeks. But there's a book. Uh, come on. What's the name of the book? Somebody help me. Just Louder. Thank you, Maggie. Faith for Exiles. And Barna worked with this uh, this. Um, author to kind of help create some data points that helped understand Gen Z. And so there's four groups that came from 
the data, and I'll, I'll share all four of them. The first group, 22% of this generation from the data that uh, was a part of church and faith at one point, 22% are called prodigals. But they once attended church, and the way Barna would communicate it is this. They do not now identify themselves as Christians, despite having attended a Protestant or Catholic church as a child or teen, or having considered themselves to be Christian at some time. So in the scope of this research, 22% of them see themselves as, as prodigals, once apart but no longer apart. The second would be this group of 30%, which would be the nomads. Nomads are lapsed Christians, and they would define uh, that as they identify themselves as Christians but have not attended church during the past month, and the vast majority of nomads haven't been involved with the faith community for six months or more. It's a massive group of people that identify as Christian personally, but there's no communal element to their faith. Seeing it vertical, not a horizontal reality of being adopted into a body. So be 30% of this research found these uh, labeled themselves as nomads. Uh, the, the third group would be habitual churchgoers. This would be 38%. Barnes says this, that those who have attended church at least once in the past month you do not have foundational core beliefs or behaviors associated with being an intentional, engaged disciple. You know, we, there's a lot of the residue of the Bible Belt. Bible Belt Christianity has produced a good chunk of these. And, and if we can be completely honest, just because you go to church irregularly and you try to be moral, that does not make you a follower of Jesus. I want to make that distinction very clear. We believe that God has even called us into this community to help invite people into something higher than just going to church irregularly and trying to be moral. That is not what Jesus invites us into. We're fighting against that in some ways. This is a hollow view of Christianity, connected to the peripheral, but not connected to the ways and life and vibrancy and freedom that Jesus offers to us. And the last group would be resilient disciples, and that would be 10% of this group. And this is how they define resilient disciples. Resilient disciples, they are Christians who, four things, attend church at least monthly and engage with their church more than just attending worship services. Two, they trust firmly in the authority of the Bible. Three, they're committed to Jesus personally and affirm he was crucified and raised from the dead to conquer sin and death. And the fourth piece, that they express a desire to transform the broader society as an outcome of their faith. So 10% of this massive sur survey, so they are ultimately resilient disciples. Many are leaving. Many are staying and just choosing to be moral because they haven't been invited into the higher call of grace that Jesus invites us into, but few are seeking to follow Jesus. And this is our reality. This is the moment where we can stick our head in the sand and pretend like things are fine. We can kind of go one of two things, stick our head, one of multiple ways. We can either stick our head in the sand, we can be hyper-pessimistic, that this generation's, you know, done, nothing, God can't do anything, or we can kind of just pretend like everything's okay. But this is our reality, and it points to red flags and how we're thinking about making disciples. It's sounding an alarm, an alarm we must hear, that, that we must become a community of people that show our faith in such a way that's attractive to this next generation. 
And we actually would allow our faith to uh, be not just formed by Jesus, but leading to be a city on a hill. We can show this next generation who he is. This falls on us. This falls on the generation ahead of this generation. And we're, con- we're commended, not to coast or coddle, but to be serious about the kingdom of God and commend this next generation, the glory of who God is. Man, I want to see middle school and high schoolers grow in a community that values them. Showing them the beauty of Jesus and his gospel, affirming their gifts, and charging them to live holy in, a, in a holy way before God. It's a glorious vision, friends. Like I said, we can get a little crusty as we get older, and we need this next generation to, to release fresh passion in our lives to follow Jesus afresh. And so there's, there's two things I want us to know. The first is this, it is important that we understand the story that we're a part of. We make sense of suffering, we make sense of pain, we make sense of the good and the bad and the ugly based off of the story that we see in life and how things came to be. And so the question is, what story are we telling ourselves that's shaping how we live? There's a few different stories that, that we can hear and that this generation can experience, and it's important just to kind of identify what they are. The first would be this. The first story that we can hear is that there is, a, there is no God, there is no authority, but something random must have happened to get us here. That's a story that we can hear and believe, and it shapes how we live our life. It, it, there's this idea that like just the right makeup of molecules and by chance led us to be where we are today. There's nothing transcendent. Pain is a result of biological realities. You're on your own, so eat, drink, and be merry. That would be the result of this way. And when death comes, you cease. There'd be a story that we tell ourselves that shapes how we live our lives. Another story would be that there is a God, but he or she is toothless and indifference. That somehow this, this entity created, we admire their beauty, but agnosticism can flourish here. That we exist, but we're on our own. Radical individualism comes from this kind of perspective. That, that my story is the story because God's story isn't something I'm invited into because he or she is toothless. In the end, I'll get to heaven in this story, but super, super evil people. And the standard of how we define good and evil is how we define it. There'll be a story that we can live within. Third would be, and I have four here, so two more, that there is a God, but he has scales. Not scales like a fish, but scales that measure things, just for clarity. That there is a God, but he has scales. That he weighs good versus evil. That he is a creator. Most religions adhere to this perspective. It's pervasive in even how we view God at times. That he created and now most suffering happens because we do what this God commands us to do. When you obey, good things happen. Good things happen. When you don't obey, bad things happen. And it scales. And the goal is merit-based, try to get the scales to go in such a way that God would have favor with you and that you could live a good and peaceful life. And somehow biblical Christianity gets put into this. This is nothing of the God of the Bible. This is nothing of the message of Jesus. This is why we want to plant churches. This is why we planted this church and want to plant churches. That he didn't come with scales 
He came to fulfill the law. And some church hurt can happen even within this mentality. We don't believe in moralistic deism of God having scales and us trying to try to win ourselves over to God. That is not the gospel. And the fourth mentality, which is where we find ourselves in, is that there's a creator, triune in nature, one God, three persons, perfect in harmony and love, needing nothing self-sufficient, fully satisfied in themselves, and in an overflow of their love and delight, and the canvas of creation they created. And they created with beauty, they created with care, they created with intention, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, creating this world. And they created it, and it was good. And then God walked intimately with with humanity, with Adam and Eve, naked and unashamed. Shalom and harmony and goodness existed everywhere. That's the beginning of this story. But it didn't last long. And the first humans rebelled. And the fall is the fracture of God's good creation. And in rebellion, humanity seeked to become their own God and it ruined everything. Sin fractured the world, not just on a macro level, but to a micro level as we sought to run from God. Jealousy, envy, murder, chaos now existed. Yet, the beauty of this story is that he moved towards us. We ran from him and he moved towards us. Why? Because of grace, not because of our merit, not because the scales turned farthest from it. In spite of that, gracious and compassionate and merciful, he moved towards us, culminating in the second person of the Trinity, putting on flesh so that we could never be able to say he doesn't get it because he fully and completely gets it. The son was sent and he died and he slayed the dragon, the ultimate evil of this world and he rose conquering death and he made a promise that he would come again making everything sad come in true. And in the meantime, he sent the spirit to empower and be with us so that we would not be orphans. See, but the reality is we naturally fall back to the story of the scales and the God who measures one thing to another. And we have to commend ourselves in this next generation that the God of the Bible is a God of grace and he's invited us to follow him, not to win him over, but because he's already won us over and we're invited into this family. We have to be aware of the story that we see And the second thing we have to see is that the psalmist invites us into this beautiful picture of commending. Again, like Luke read earlier, it says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And we're invited to commend to this next generation. What does it mean to commend? To praise. To the words they hear and say, uh, commend and declare and speak and ag- again declare and pour forth like bubbling up to sing aloud. We are invited to speak into this next generation. To not just sit back and just hope that things work out okay, but kind of pessimistic that they will. But actually lean in and actually invest through prayer and through our lives the opportunity 
of investing into this next generation. There's this vision of an older generation passing on a bubbling heart of humble love towards God, commending His faithfulness and grace to this next generation. This is what discipleship is all about. Like if you have just a half-hearted love for Jesus, you don't really care, maybe you see Him as one with scales in His hands, that's what you're going to pass on to the next generation. But may you lean in, And you allow this message of grace to actually shape you in such a way that it transforms how you engage your spouse. It transforms how you uh, lead in your workplace. It transforms how you invest and give with generosity. Man, there's something about that that will stir a generation and say, man, I want that. I don't want those scales. I'm over those scales. Man, I want to counter the God of grace that pursued me in spite of me. And there's something about that that is so healing to every generation, especially this one, to tell the next generation to not forget who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he invites us into. And when we tag that with the fact that this generation longs to have purpose and meaning in their life, and we connect those dots, allowing them to see that, this next, this, that their generation is invited to something more, something profound about that. He knows. He knows. That's what we're talking about here. So uh, over the next couple of minutes, I want to invite a couple of counselors and a couple of campers to share some brief testimonies of what happened. And so you guys can move up here. Maybe these chairs right here. You guys can actively start moving up this way. Um, I just want to allow just a picture of what was God was doing over this last week at camp. The way we, I see camp is our desire is to invest over the year into intentional discipleship, care, fun, into our students here. And camp is like a, 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 like a moment of momentum that can kind of stir the heart afresh as we move back into the normalcy of life. And we just came back from camp. And, and so whatever order we're in, we, we should have, we have you guys, we have a few more, I think, potentially, maybe not. Um, we'll just see in real time. But uh, y'all come on up. And um, y'all want to come on up? Come on up right here. And we'll just go in. We got my buddy Gus. We got Macy. Um, we got Catherine, David, and uh, these were counselors, amazing. We had a handful of counselors from our community that just did unbelievable. And some of you, I want to invite you to be a part of our counselor team next year. That's for a later conversation. And then we had some of our students, some that are in the room and not in the room, and some that wanted to share. So I'm going to pass it off to Gus and allow him to share for a few minutes about um, his time at camp. Gus! Hey, buddy. How did God move in your life at camp this last week, man? Well, at first, before um, I came, I thought that I could, I was the closest like, to God as I could be. And after that, I realized I was wrong. Hmm. And I'm closer to God than I ever was. Hmm. And um, yeah. That's good, man. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Anything else that God was doing in your life or a highlight that you had from camp? I mean, we had all these, like, questions and stuff, and it really made me think about what I was thinking about and how I believed in God before. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, dude. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing. Anything else you got? Anything else on your mind? Okay. Well, thanks for sharing, buddy. Hi, Macy. Good morning. Hi. Like, 
when you have boyfriends, it's very powerful. I already said that. But <laughs> it's okay, you can say it again. Um, and so, like, when I'm worshiping, at, especially at camp, I just feel like it's me and God in the room, and mm. there's no one else around. Mm. And, like, like, I kept getting goosebumps whenever I was worshiping, mm. and, like, I wasn't cold or anything, and so it was just, <laughs> it was just really cool. Mm. Um, Amen. Amen. That's great. Any other highlights or anything that you'd want to share um, with friends or anything else? I think just like also the uh, community at camp, mm. like just being around uh, other Chris Christians and like just it's a really good feeling mm. and like you feel so close to God at camp and like you can say anything and like people aren't really going to judge you kind of in it mm. and it's it's a different kind of feeling. Mm, that's good. Thanks for sharing, friend. I appreciate you. It's good. <laughs> David's a rock star, guys. I'm telling you. He was amazing in the way that he invested into the students and the 7th and 8th graders and just really impressed with his leadership, for sure. What you got, man? I didn't realize how unfair this request was going to be because I started, you asked me if I might want to share, and I started walking up the hill from the cool beans, which is part of the experience, and I think it's about two hours worth. Is that going to be a problem? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. There's more coffee in the back. All right. First of all, a couple of visuals. If you saw me around camp, this is pretty much what I looked like. A <laughs> little bit sweatier, a little bit more ruffled, a mm-hmm. little yeah. bit less well-rested, yeah. but that's camp. Yeah. And the other thing, I wanted to share this. You're not going to be able to read it, but if you were in the cabin, kind of in the council areas, places where the campers weren't necessarily... There's the logo, I have a reason. And below that it says, point them to Jesus, love them well. Mm. And I took this off the wall before I left. It's good, it's good, it's good. But um, I wanted you all to see that because Mm. that's what it's all about. I mean, I don't really have to say anything else, but I will. Mm. It's good. (laughs) I'm glad you will. Ernie's talked about COVID. Mm. Ernie's talked about community. Ernie's talked about the church. Um gotten to Drew, gotten to so many people here at Chosen. First time Deborah and I walked in these doors, our church had been closed because of COVID. There's isolation from the body, Christ's body. The pews are still in the church, those mm-hmm. two aisles, mm-hmm. that in the back, that to the left as you walked in. And at some point during that service, I was like, I don't know who's talking. I don't know that I knew what was going on, but I wept. I'm not sitting that pew, and I wept because I could feel the body of Christ. And we need the Lord. We need the body. We need to have that fellowship. We, even though we had Zoom, we had we could go to the Lord in prayer. We didn't have the body, and it just felt so good. So Deborah and I got involved in the church. Started serving with the, I'm actually kind of playing hooky from the elementary school downstairs. So <laughs> I appreciate their grace. You went, you, it was a ba- you had to go to the bathroom, so you yeah, ran up here yeah, to do your testimony. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah, I didn't know this was going to be at the end. So oh, that's, that's good, right. that's good, that's good. good. Well, thanks for doing this. But, um, we got involved with the youth and got to know Drew. And Drew is a true blessing. I'm just mm. going to say, I'm not, I'm, I mm. just, you know, he is, he is going to bless the church mm. right there. Mm. But I've learned so much from him. So I got involved with seventh graders. And we'd meet on Wednesday evenings. And this thing about one camp came up, and Ernie shared. 
and he talked about how that's impacted him. He brings that here every Sunday and what he got out of that growing up. Um, so I said, yeah, one camp. I'm, I'm in. And I couldn't go to the training that year because this was 2022. I had a conflict. So he said, well, just listen to it. And I listened to it. And I said, they need counselors on the bus. I said, okay, I'll ride the bus. You know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Get on the bus, ride in, and we show up camp about 4 o'clock, all the campers. And, I, and I, all I know about it is that it's awesome, and you're going to be walking up and down hill a lot. <laughs> so, okay, so here I am. <laughs> I see some nods. So, um, get off the bus, and I mean, I'm just, I'm in it. I mean, you know, camp full of kids, um, w learning where things are, and um, just kind of, and it's a blur. I mean, truly, got back is a blur. But, um, I told Deborah about somewhere in the spring, I said, I'm keeping the 4th of July week open on my schedule. And because I'm, I'm kind of hoping the last one because of one camp. I'm mm. kind of hoping, you know, I didn't mm. blow it. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm asked if I'll serve at one camp. And this time, you know, I can be at the training and kind of know what to expect. Say, oh, the bus. Go to training and we start getting assigned cabins. And I'm a group of seventh graders, great group of kids, boys. Girls too, but I'm assigning the boys, just to be clear. Yep. But, um, <laughs> But I'm looking at the list, and I'm looking at the counselors that are going to be there. And next to my name is CL. And I'm going, I'm too foolish. They named me for my And um, then they go, no, that's the cabin liaison. And I'm going, wait a minute. You know, I, I didn't sign up for that. I, I, mean, I, I just kind of, you know. But no, okay, so I've got some more responsibility. I can handle that. So, all right, so we had camp. We get to camp. Everybody's there because I'm riding the bus, get in, kind of know the routine, get to the cabin. Um, Jared's there, and I know Jared. Jared Powell. Jared, yeah, mm -hmm. Jared Powell. Um, Jonathan's there from another church planning, Jonathan. Um, we're getting to know the kids. We're kind of hanging out. You know, we're going to dinner a little bit. We go down and come back, and this guy shows up. He's on the list, and this is Toby. I don't know Toby, but he comes in, and he's got a guitar. I mean, cool, it's camp, you know, guitar. That would be fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll be sitting there. We'll be singing, kumbaya. So, um, you know, get to know Kobe, we introduce ourselves, and then, um, so camp gets going, and we get rolling, and next thing I know, Kobe is in the praise team. Mm -hmm. Kobe's up on the stage. Kobe's a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe is cool. He's behind the keyboard, and he's playing, and that's amazing, and I'm listening, and I get to know his story a little bit. He's been coming to camp. He's in Nashville, and he's, he's really, he's, he's on Spotify. You can look him up. Um, but um, I'm getting to know Toby, and I'm like, and this is really a blessing. So um, the week rolls on. I see Ernie, and he says, how's the week going? I'm like, it's good. You know, actually, I'm pretty well rested. You know, it hasn't been bad. Kids come down. And, of course, you know, you say something like that, and then God says Shouldn't have done something. that. You shouldn't have said that. No. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. So I'm in, <laughs> I'm in my bunk, and it's kind of late at night. And, uh, man, I'm, I wake up, and I'm in sheets all twisted around, and the hooded sheets off and into the bed, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm going, what? singing that story of Jacob. I said, you know, I've been wrestling. You know, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm wrestling. You know, there's something been going on. There's been a battle kind of taking place. <laughs> and um, so I turn around and I get up and I go and at the service in the morning and I look over to it. I like the music. I like the praise music. I like the energy, but it's loud. And in the evening, it gets a little noisy and that, that's not totally me. But in the morning, I'm standing there and all the youth rush up to the front and I come up to the front and I'm standing and Toby and I don't know the woman's name. I wish I'd gotten to know her a little bit better, but they're up there singing. Let's see, how to get through that. 
They're up there swinging, you know. And I'd have to guys like, okay, that, the eddies were chilled, but I'd say they're full, but it's more melted. And they're singing. And I'm listening, and I'm standing right over here, and I'm looking up, and I'm watching Cobra, and I'm watching them sing. And they go, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. And if you look below, I didn't hear anything. And I'm feeling my heart. And these are your things today that suck. Mm. They're retardant. <laughs> and I'm just feeling cracks mm. right here. And I look down and I see those cracks open up and I see red. And then I see orange and I see it glowing and I see light. And I'm just looking at this and I'm going, what in the world's going on, Lord? And then I'm feel, feeling energy and the Lord was just calling the energy and it's love and it's light and it's Jesus. And he's entering my heart and he's entering through those cracks. Mm. He's going, I love you, David. I just step back and I sit down on a seat and I bow my head and I didn't think I'm unworthy because I know grace is not earned but I just said I was weeping and I'm going no human can endure this it's too much mm. and I'm just I'm going this is too much like this is just so much love and the reality is mm. so real and that connection that oneness is there and I just the conscious thought entered and then I paused and I said no you know Jesus is here with us, and it is so wonderful to be in the presence of God. Mm. And I cried some more, and then I stood up, and I was aware they were still singing, and they might have been singing at that point 30 minutes, two hours. I don't know. I truly do not know in that moment. But they stopped singing and went back and sat down, you know, and I mm. just rejoined the group. So just to skip forward a little bit, because I don't think any guys have anything to do today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Maybe not these guys. <laughs> I, um, we go back and, you know, we go back to the cabin. We're, you know, we've been in small groups. We've been doing, you know, walking, getting to know the kids. But it gets to Friday, and Friday is the last day of camp. We have the final assembly, and kids are sharing what it's meant to them to be at one camp. And then we, um, which is the Damon Mile thing. We come back uh, up to the bus, and the bus is, all the luggage is dumped there on the ground. Kind of all the ceremony gets there, and the truck picks up, and brings all the ceremony out. I mean, the kids are grabbing things have some order out of what right now is Dale's this old chaos. And Alex is Gus and Alex and Dan and Jake. So Alex, I mean, I'm just standing there and all I am now I'm back into the, you know, world is, you know, got to get back into the world. I got to, got to tell the bus driver, you know, I got something that I got to tell the bus driver. I've got to uh, text some people. I know on the way back. And Alex comes up and he just comes up to me and he goes, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. And I looked at him and I just, Yeah. Be there and participate yeah. and be part of it again. Mm -hmm. But anyway, thank you, Ernie. Yeah. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, church. Mm. And uh, thank you, dear Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother.
Hi, Catherine. Hi, how good are you? Good, how are you? Well, I had a really good time at camp. I wasn't going to go because I'm super busy all the time, and Drew kind of talked me into it, basically. <laughs> and so I ended up being a counselor of the eighth grade girls' time. And um, as I was there, I remember <coughs> coming in and just being like, why am I here? What can I possibly show these girls, or how can I be a sounding board for them? I was just really nervous about it and just didn't really feel God's presence. And um, as we started going to worship throughout the week, um, I just still was feeling this deadness inside, almost like not worthy or mm -hmm. not capable. Um, and so I was sitting at lunch with one of the other counselors on Cabin, and she just started talking to me all of a sudden out of nowhere. And she goes, you know, I really felt unworthy. I just feel like, I, I felt like, who am I? The same things I've been thinking, who am mm -hmm. I to? With a broken foot. With a broken foot.
Thank you, friend. Appreciate it. Very good. Very good. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's that. That's just some testimonies of this last week. And um, I want to challenge us. You know, some of you, I, I, even as I was praying towards this end when it comes to committing to this next generation, some of you have just allowed, not allowed, some of you, life has just been really full, whether it's kids or a new job, or, but you feel really drawn to invest into this next generation. And I want to encourage you to talk with me, and I'd love to figure out a way to get you to, we, ha- we have spaces with our student ministry where you can invest in more uh, whether it's weekly or, or more irregular. And so that might be you. And, and maybe for others, maybe you're just, if we're honest, you've just been a little bit lazy, but you really feel like God's calling you to invest and commend. And I want to encourage you to respond well to that. Um, friends, we want to do this. We want to commend to this next generation, not only that God is real, but he is at work, that his grace is sufficient, and he is willing to transform us regardless of where we are. That's true for this generation, and it's true for you, that he has come to chase you down, to pursue you, and to bring you into his family, and we give thanks for that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thanks for the work that you were doing at camp. Pray you continue to deepen it. Pray that it would lead towards lives of transformation and discipleship within the students in our community and across the network of churches that we are a part of. Um, Lord, as we submit to your word and, and hear this phrase of one generation shall commend your works to another, Lord, we want to be a part of it. Lord, help us to not get too locked into our own little puny kingdom that keeps us from the glorious opportunity to invest into this next generation, Lord. We pray that you would allow us as a community to be faithful with the kids and students in this body. You'd help us to invest towards that end. Lord, we bless you. We give you thanks. We thank you that you are gracious and merciful. We thank you that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We thank you that you are good to all and your mercy is over all that you have made. Lord, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.